Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We want to invite you to come celebrate Mother Seton's birthday at our first event in months. The party will be held on August 30th here at the Shrine. You can find more info at satanshrine.org. Now here's Father Ted. One of the most comforting truths of our faith is that Jesus lives for us. It's a principle of theology that everything he did when he came to earth was for our sake. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church it reads, Christ did not live his life for himself but for us. Beginning with his incarnation, for us men and for our salvation, up to his death for our sins, and his resurrection for our justification, as we pray in the Creed. Everything was for us. He had nothing to gain out of coming out of heaven, be it come he did, not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. And this is a truth that comes up in today's gospel in a very particular way. After he heard about the death of John the Baptist, he gets in a boat, he goes off by himself to a solitary place, what he thought was a solitary place. And scripture doesn't exactly explain the uh, precise motives for this departing to a solitary place, but it's reasonable to assume that he wanted some time to be alone to mourn over the death of his friend and his cousin, John the Baptist, his relative. And it was there in that deserted place that he was hoping to be by himself. But it's, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful detail that our Lord felt that need to mourn. Just like he mourned over the death of Lazarus, his, his friend, he wanted to mourn over the death of the Baptist. And so when we are going through some sort of trial, some sort of experience, some sort of difficulty, our Lord knows what that feels like. It's not just as if he can fix it, but he has himself gone through that as well. When he disembarked from the boat and he saw this vast crowd, you can imagine how he might have felt. Like it would be easy for somebody in his situation to have felt some kind of resentment, to have begrudged the crowd, to have complained interiorly saying, I was trying to get away from all of you, and here you are. But he doesn't complain, he doesn't get angry at them. Because he came to serve and not to be served, and so he started serving. His day of retreat turned into a day of service towards all these people that were in need of him. He feeds them, he teaches them, he cures them of their sicknesses. And so, like the hungry crowd, we must go to our Lord. We must go to him. The problem is that we very often don't, or many people don't at least. We don't go to receive that help that he can offer us, to receive the food that he wants to give us. We don't answer that invitation that came to us in the first reading. All you who are thirsty, come and drink. Come without paying and without cost. Come to me heedfully. Listen that you may have life. That's an awesome invitation, by the way. In the first reading, you know, it might be worth opening it up at some point today and just looking at that. God is telling us, just come to me. Here I am. I'm going to give you what you need for free. You don't need to buy that stuff that's not going to satisfy your hunger. I have something for, for you which will satisfy every longing of your heart. 
Nothing less than myself am I going to be giving to you. But with an invitation like that, just consider how unreasonable, illogical it is to not answer that invitation. You know, imagine if you were in that crowd of 5,000 people, or probably more like 15 or 25,000 people, and the apostles come by with food for you, and you're hungry, and you say, no, that's okay. I don't, I don't want any of that food. I don't need any of that. I'm too busy for that. But that is precisely what we do on such a regular basis. And if not ourselves, many people, many of our friends, many of our family, who have stopped going to Mass on Sunday. They are starving for the bread of life. And Jesus is longing to feed them with His grace, with His mercy, with His truth. And very often, it's up to us to remind them that there is a Eucharistic banquet awaiting them. What St. Paul told us in the second reading is true. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's no power under heaven there is no tragedy, there is no natural disaster that can pull us apart from Jesus Christ. That's true. But we can pull ourselves away from Jesus Christ. We can turn our backs on Him. And God leaves us free to do just that. And many people, whether because they just aren't aware of the, the banquet that Jesus has for them or because they, they're not interested in it, they do not come and drink the waters of living, of life. In New York City at uh, Union Station, there was a young man in a baseball cap playing a violin. And he was playing for about 45 minutes, and he did six classical pieces. And he did this during rush hour, and so there were hundreds of people passing by in Union Station. And a number of them threw coins into the violin case that was open in front of him. And it, after 45 minutes, he had a total of $20 worth of change. The irony is that that same young man had, the night before, sold out Madison Square Garden for $100 of tickets. The people in that Union, City, that Union Station did not appreciate the masterpiece that they were being given for free. And that's very often where we find ourselves, where many Catholics find themselves at least. There is something precious beyond our wildest imaginations that is being offered to us for free, and we don't take advantage of it. But when we remind people of this great banquet that is available, we're doing them a favor. It's not as if we're trying to push something on them. The whole notion of inviting somebody to church sometimes gets painted in a rather negative light. But when we invite somebody to church, we're like one beggar inviting another beggar to come to a banquet. They need food, and we know where food's at. We should invite them. Mother Seton, when she was over in Italy and she first got exposed to the Blessed Sacrament in the house of her friends, the Felicis, she wrote in her diary how beautiful of a thing it would be if she could believe that, if she could somehow know that Jesus Christ was literally waiting for her, physically present in that church. She was envious of all those who had that belief until she found out that it was, in fact, the truth. 
Now, sometimes God will work miracles through the Eucharist to sort of remind us of these facts, like there is something precious waiting for us in the Eucharist, but it, it passes us by. And so these miracles will sometimes take place. It could be a miracle of a moral nature. Blessed Charles Foucault, he's going to be canonized soon, he began his conversion from a party boy to a hermit by making a daily visit to the Blessed Sacrament in a church in France. And he would kneel before the tabernacle saying, Oh God, if you really exist, please let me know. And he let him know. And there are other miracles of a physical nature might take place as well. There was a man by the name of Guerriel Gargoum, a Frenchman, who on December 17, 1899, was involved in a really serious train wreck in France, and he was, he was left paralyzed. And he was unable to eat solid foods, and so he, within eight months, he withered to weighing merely 78 pounds. And his family was desperate for a cure, and so they brought him to Lourdes, France, thinking that the, whole, the water there might cure him. And so he went to the baths in Lourdes, France, but the exertion of doing so had a contrary effect, and he actually swooned. It seems like he passed out, and they thought he was dead. They had even covered his body with this cloth, and they began to carry him out of the sanctuary. But there was a Eucharistic procession passing by, and the priest holding the monstrance with our Lord within it, he gave a blessing to this body that was covered, and then immediately the body began to, began to move. And Gama, he pulled off the covers from himself. He stood up by himself for the first time in two years, and he walked. And then a couple of weeks later, on August 20th, 1901, there were 60 doctors that pronounced him completely cured of his paralysis. Our Lord is in the Eucharist, and he can work wonders. But this is not just a message for people that don't come to church on Sundays. This is something for all of us as well. We cannot leave the church thinking, I've got no room for improvement. I'm here, therefore I'm covered. We who believe in Christ can often turn down his gifts. You know, think of how easy it would be for some people to come to Mass during the week, or at least stop by at the church or a chapel at some point during the day. And so maybe this week we can do that. Take some time. Come to a church. Sit down with Jesus. There might be some churches that aren't open still. That's a fact. But here, at least at the Basilica, we open at 10 o'clock every day. And we have adoration at 12.15, except Saturday. It's an opportunity to be with our Lord who is here for us. Because the same Jesus who performed the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes is here in the most blessed sacrament. And once this fact dawns upon us, our entire perspective on life will change. The God who is all good and wants to make us happy is here. The God who is all-knowing and knows exactly what we need to be happy is here. The God who is all-powerful and can do anything to make us happy is here. Why is the church not full? That is a mystery. But let us pray in today's Mass that with the help of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we might give more of ourselves to our Lord who has given himself entirely to us, and let's think of one person that we can invite to church next week. <laughs>